Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Sarah Fletcher with the Innovation Support Unit at UBC and a member of the team supporting the Team-Based Care Advisory. In this episode, I get to share a really engaging Dialogue Circle webinar that took place on January 21st. First, you'll hear Kelly from the BC Patient Safety Quality Council introduce the session. And then Sequalia, an elder from the Squamish Nation, open the circle and welcome everyone. A wonderful discussion follows, and I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everyone. We're really delighted that you could join us here today. My name is Kelly Giesbrecht. I'm a new leader on the health system improvement team at the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council. And I'm really honored to be your host for today's webinar, um, talking about integrating cultural safety and humility in a good way. I'm connecting from my home office in Prince George on the traditional and unceded territory of the Claytley today. So it's now my pleasure to hand the meeting over to Sequalia from Squamish Nation and a knowledge keeper with the council to start our session off in a good way. Sequalia, over to you. Okay. Hi, I welcome each and every one of you today to our Zoom session. And I welcome all of you for Zooming into the unceded Coast Salish territories of Squamish Nation, My First Nation, and Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam. And I also um, like to acknowledge the um, unceded territories where you live, work, and play where you're Zooming in from. And um, just want to share that today... I'm grateful to be able to join you and be part of this talk and ask us all to Nchomo Nshkwawan. In Squamish language, that means one heart and one mind. And a lot of people are familiar with the Hamalkamalem term, Natsamat Nshkwawan, one heart and one mind. And ask that we come together in a respectful way and to Chenchen Stwait stand and work together to hold each other up, support one another and help each other by creating networks and being able to talk to each other. So I'd like to um, share that my grandfather and other elders um, said that um, our energy is, we all have an energy within us and that energy, if we believe in it, can heal us and also be sent to help with prayers to heal others and that we receive energy too from creator and ancestors through the top of our head that goes into our energy we have and that we need to not be like this or this or this but have our hands open so I like to tease people and say now we'll do a couple breaths of Tai Chi or yoga breathing to get you grounded and um, and focused. So I just usually say open your hands and take a few breaths. And then I'll just do a short part of um, Sequalia's song, Ha Squal, my ancestor's song, Sequalia's song. Reading of the day, since here in the lower mainland, it's a beautiful sunny day. And we all need to be grateful for um, another day and all the blessings we have family and friends. And so come together and while I sing, start to pray for your family and friends and each other in this gathering. 
Asking you, Creator, to watch over and protect each and every one of your children gathered here today with their squalwin, their feelings in their hearts and minds, their emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health and well-being. Asking you, Creator, to um, help each and every one of your children gathered here today for this gathering with their snatchum, their words that they're going to speak, listen to, take into their hearts what's meant for them, set aside what they don't need today till another day, and to um, share experiences, thoughts, or ask questions in a respectful way for the good work that each and every one of them does in their communities. Tama Kwetsi Snechum, those are my words. Chen Kwen Mentomi, I'm grateful and thankful to you for letting me join and share this time with you. And I just did a short prayer to start us off on this yet one health excellent work that we've come together for. And we'll do a fuller prayer when we close. Back to you, Kelly. Thank you, Sequalia, for opening um, this very important discussion today. And thank you to everybody who is able to join. I'm just going to share my screen again. Um, thank you for everybody who took the time to join today, um, our webinar on integrating cultural safety and humility in a good way to focus on a dialogue circle. I'm just going to quickly go through the agenda for today and some of the learning outcomes. So as I mentioned, we're going to be starting with a dialogue circle and I'll introduce our uh, panel members shortly. Um, we're going to have some reflection time for everybody to participate uh, and answer a few questions and do some reflection after the dialogue um, circle. And then we'll pull some of some of those thoughts together for a quick uh, Q&A with our panel members and then uh, do some evaluation housekeeping and then have a closing for the meeting. So in terms of learning outcomes today, we're going to explore the concepts of cultural safety and humility in team-based primary care. And we're providing an opportunity for you to relate to your experiences with team-based care to others working in primary and community care teams across BC. And we're also identifying opportunities for strengthening team-based care at your local sites. So today's presenters are panel members. We are honored to be joined by Sequalia who opened our meeting. Um, we're um, also honored to be um, to have Destiny Barrow, the Regional Health Coordinator at the Métis Nation BC, join us. Dana Hubler, Family Physician on the lands of the Comox Nation, and Jeffrey Basalt, Community Physician on the lands of the Kodacha and Seike Dene Nations, for a virtual dialogue on cultural safety and humility in primary care. So we have a few questions today to guide the dialogue. 
And I'm going to start things off by asking our panel members to briefly introduce themselves and as they do introduce themselves to share their thoughts on why advancing cultural safety and humility in primary care is so important. I'm going to ask Destiny to start us off, please. And Destiny, I think you're still on mute. Isn't that just the way it goes? Thank you very much, everyone. Oh, of course. To be able to be here uh, speaking uh, with my fellow panel members and to you all today. My name is Destiny Barrow and I am the Regional Health Coordinator for Vancouver Island for Métis Nation, British Columbia. I am a proud Métis, but I am a visitor and a guest on the unceded territory of the Comox First Nation where I am calling in from today. And I am pleased to be able to have this dialogue about cultural safety. I think before uh, I, I answer the question per se, I would like to speak a little bit about what cultural safety is. And cultural safety ultimately is, is, a, is an outcome, it's a goal that may be reached if the care providers and those that are involved make the commitment to the intense self-reflection and process that's necessary to truly acknowledge, understand and accept how the healthcare system has contributed to past and present day disparities that are faced by First Nations, Métis and Inuit people. All healthcare professionals at some point in their training take a, an oath or live by a code where somewhere in the language, the words do no harm appear. And unfortunately, as we know and are aware of, and most recently have had a spotlight on, that despite these oaths and codes that we all live by as healthcare professionals, racism and discrimination is uh, alive and well, and in some instances thriving in our healthcare system. By advancing the importance of cultural safety education as a criterion for membership in the primary care networks, we have an opportunity to learn how imbalances and empower and personal biases are contributing to racism and discrimination in healthcare. The majority of us are unwelcomed guests on the territory that we are practicing our crafts on. And I think at the very foundation, we need to recognize how our approach with the individual as a partner in their health and wellness influences how we move ahead in providing primary care. So in, in closing, my answer to why we should advance primary, why we should advance cultural safety in primary care is because it is the right thing to do. Thank you. Thank you, Destiny. I really appreciate that. Um, Dan, I was wondering if I could hand it over to you to introduce yourself and also talk about the importance of uh, cultural safety and humility in primary care. Sure. Thanks, Kelly, and um, thanks, Qualia, for opening us up this morning um, with such a, in such a good way. So my name is Dana Hubbler. I am, I was born on the land of the Simshan people in what people now call Prince Rupert, and I now live and work and raise my two teenagers and live with my partner um, on the land of the Comox people. And I'm a family doctor. I work with the First Nations Health Authority Clinic, um, and I... Uh, work with UBC's Rural CPD on the Indigenous Patient-Led Continuing Professional Development Program. And, you know, my why, I think, is building on some of what Destiny is saying is, 
is the why this is so important is because we have gaps in health outcomes between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people that continue to widen. And those gaps that we talk about are members of our communities and our society, their grandmas and fathers and aunties and brothers who live on average a decade shorter than non-Indigenous community members. They live with chronic illness more. And if we want to live in a just and equitable society, we simply can't accept those gaps anymore. Um, and those gaps exist because of racism. They, 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 they exist because healthcare is not culturally safe for Indigenous people and that lack of cultural safety leads to bad outcomes. Um, people simply don't get the quality care that they deserve when they go to seek care and they simply sometimes make the choice to not seek care because the harm to their dignity is too great and they'd rather stay at home than interface with our healthcare system. Um, and I think the other why for me is because I want to live in a just society. I want to live in a society and work in a healthcare system that is moving towards equity and reconciliation. And that's better for us all. And when I think about this, there's a quote from a Gangulu woman from rural um, Australia, Lilla Watson, um, that I think about. And what she says is, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come here because your liberation is bound up in mine, then let us work together. And I think working together to be more culturally safe benefits us all. If we become more self-reflective, more humble, we get to know ourselves more, we get to know where we come from, we get to know where our stories, our family stories are. And, and in doing that work for me has been a gift that's enriched me personally and professionally. I now know, because of the questions from Indigenous elders, I now know who my people are and where they came from and what circumstances led them to leave Europe and move to another continent to benefit from colonization. And that starts to help me understand where I can pick up the healing that needs to be done so that I can work in a healthcare system that I'm proud of because it's kind and compassionate and safe for everybody. Thank you, Donna. I'd like to hand it over to you, Jeff. Um, afternoon, everyone. My name is Jeff. I'm uh, uh, also a family doc. I uh, I'm at home, I think where most of us are spending a lot of time these days. I live in Liquitoc territory uh, in Campbell River and I spend, uh, have still, still actually been traveling uh, through this time. Um, some of the communities that work at our Seike and Karachi up in Northern BC. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks to Chloe for opening us in, in such a good way and, and really appreciate uh, Destiny and Dana. Um, I, uh, one of the things that really resonated with me, Dan, your comment around working together, and I think part of part of it for me is, um, I, th I think it's important because it's it's good for our, our patients and those we see and serve and care for, but it's good for us too. And uh, how as we interact with people and listen to their stories and and share with them as well. Um, sometimes in our healthcare roles, um, if, if there's the time and space to try to understand what's important to people and where they've come from and um, what matters to them, um, not only can we have a better understanding of, of where they're at, but it, it totally changes um, sometimes the suggestions that we have around healthcare and how we enter into those discussions and what is suggested and when. Um, it's, uh, it's really important. And I think for me, um, uh, through the years that I've lived in, in British Columbia, just seeing the diversity and the richness uh, and the uniqueness of, of all 
uh, of the cultures that we have in the province in which we live and learning from that and failing and growing. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think uh, it, it really does involve that sort of um, spirit of curiosity in a, in a gentle and compassionate way, but then also learning and receiving feedback. I, this morning I had somebody share with me uh, some comments that I made in some work that I'm a part of and they, in the in a very gentle and compassionate way, they said, hey, you know, I, I don't think, I think there's a way you could do it differently. And I think, you know, having the space for us to have those discussions and uh, with one another and with our teammates is really important. Um, and so I think it, that's part of it as well. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jeff. And Sequalia, over to you if you wanted to provide a few more introductory words about yourself and then speak to why advancing cultural safety and humility in primary care is so important. Um, thank you, Kelly. Um, I'm Sequalia, also known as Ann Wanick from the Squamish Nation. I'm a um, knowledge carrier and elder, and I've worked with the council from since probably 2017. And um, also work with First Nations Health Authority, different teams, and also an elder in residence at SFU, Burnaby Campus Indigenous Student Centre as the elder in residence. And um, usually we used to go up there and meet with students for a couple hours and sit with them. And if they want to talk to me, and since COVID, um, I've been having a virtual elders check-in. And so I do that. And um, I was a student too, and just completed my um, master's of business administration degree, indigenous business and leadership at the Beattie School of Business on Granville and Pender campus and um, convocation in June, 2021. So um that was a two-year degree program, and so now I'm glad I'm finished because I can read books for pleasure and not textbooks. And I um, just want to share that um, I have um, my daughter who lives with me. My late son passed away in March 12, 2018, 12 days before his 41st birthday due to his battles with um, alcohol and drugs. And um, my he had my grandchildren, Kirsten, who's 19, and Wanick, and Jordan Wanick, who just turned 17. And I live with my daughter, Josephine, also known as Jojo. She shares my ancestral name, Sequalia, and also carries Sequalia's daughter's name, Sequona Coast. And she works at FNHA um, Accounts Payable Department in finance. And I live with her and her husband and 17-year-old grandson, Chenaltzit Sequalton. He carries two ancestral names. My great-grandfather, Chenaltzit, who lived at Yamal, where, um, which is now known, the priest named him Jericho Charlie. And when they created a reserve and moved him off the Yamalk, they in later days named it after him, Jericho Beach. And um, Sequalton was his father and then also his son's name. And Gavin's name is, well, Gavin and he's 17. So that's a bit about my family. I have one brother left 
And I believe cultural safety and humility needs to be advanced. And I've shared this, uh, that in order for us to all be respectful of each other as human beings, and for us to know as Indigenous, Native, um, Aboriginal people, that when we go into a doctor's office or emergency or clinic, that we'll be treated with um, respect and um, have that cultural safety and humility towards us as we do towards those who are giving medical care because we respect people as um, knowledge keepers of medical. And, you know, my grandson Jordan had hurt his foot and had to go to emergency. I brought him up there. And the way we were being talked to by the check-in um, team, I had to remind them that we wanted to be treated with cultural safety and humility and respect it. And that was just two weeks ago. And then they re remembered the report and the work that's being done and how Lionsgate Hospital is one that's really marked for their treatment of Indigenous people as being bad. And they said, we, we didn't do anything wrong. I said, well, then you can speak respectfully to us because we're here for care. And that's what we want. And why it's important for people to do as um, shared with the um, first, um, I thank the other speakers for their words. And um, the definition that Destiny shared, that, you know, cultural safety and humility safety is about reflection. And I thank um, Dana for her comments because you shared what it's about, self-reflection of your own history and knowledge. And Jeff, thank you for your comments. So, you know, I feel really optimistic and know things can change positively and we've all adapted and we can move forward in a good way, Chen Chen Swight, as human beings. Thank you so much, Sequalia, and to the, the rest of our uh, speakers today. I think, you know, your words really highlight how deeply personal um, a conversation or, or any uh, sort of um, meaningful conversation, I guess, around cultural safety and humility is really deeply personal. Uh, I wanted to just welcome the panel to, if, to see if they'd like to elaborate or respond to anything that they've said or heard. Um, uh, before we move on to a bit of a different type of conversation, a different question. It's destiny. I would actually like to elaborate a little bit and um, I would like to thank Sequoia so much. It's, it's always very comforting to me uh, as a, a, an Indigenous person, but as a Métis person to have the presence of of elders in our conversations because we always look to our knowledge keepers as treasures and it, it just really makes my heart feel very good to be able to listen to words. I did want to follow up on what I had mentioned regarding cultural safety and to just highlight with those that are listening that ultimately that is something that is felt by the person receiving care. Only they can determine if the care that they have received is indeed culturally safe. It is not something that is achieved simply by taking um, an educational program. 
but it does supply tools that individuals can use to begin their journey and ultimately work towards that goal of culturally informed practice that is safe for people. And they'll recognize that. So I just wanted to just follow up with those few comments. Thank you. Thank you, Destiny. I really appreciate that. And that's actually a perfect segue into uh, our next sort of discussion point. And we wanted to specifically ask Dana and Jeff to speak to this and to talk about how do you or your team, how do you start on your cultural safety and humility journey? And what steps are you taking to provide care differently? And I think I'll ask Jeff if he could um, address that first. Thanks, Kelly. Um, so I just want to preface with my comments uh, with, um, so I'm, I am a visitor um, and uh, uh, I guess the perspective that I'm sharing from largely comes from experiences of learning and providing feedback. And so I don't really have any answers, but I could certainly share some of my stories, I guess. Um, so uh, I, um, and Destiny just referenced, yeah, courses and, you know, different things. And I, I agree, like they, they're important, but it's, it's a very small part of that. One of my reflections, I guess, on attending different courses, I had the opportunity to attend um, a, a cultural uh, exercise over two days on Zoom like this with some elders from uh, TACLA uh, in, I think it was in the fall, it's so hard to remember days right now. Uh, and uh, what's always striking for me is the, uh, the vastness of what I am not aware of. Uh, despite having had the privilege to work in community for the last, I guess, 20-ish years, how small my knowledge is still. And so I, I do think for people like me, that does have an important place. However, um, that's just such a starting point. And so I guess two, uh, two other pieces. One would be um, if you have the chance to do home visits, especially with elders, take every chance you get. And I know it's a little different right now, but um, my, in my experience, people are, when you're in their territory, in their home, people are sharing in a different place. And, you know, I think oftentimes in healthcare, we have these very weird power structures that, and sometimes that does get in the way. Uh, but when you're in someone's house sitting on their couch, uh, that sort of evaporates and just taking the time in the midst of all the other things we do just to listen and and if the opportunity is there to ask questions, um, that is more tricky in a hospital. Uh, and, and certainly, uh, so sort of two things that I, I sometimes, when I'm working in a hospital, one of them is to ask people where they're from and, uh, and, and just to, to create some space. Uh, and in my experiences, not everyone will choose to share that and that's okay too, um, but often people will. And, and they'll start to um, express things that are important to them, about maybe about their family or about their language, or maybe they don't live where they grew up and they'll share about their, their home. Um, and so I found that's one thing that, that's important. Um, I think the other part though, is just to kind of try and pay attention to different things. I was thinking about a story a couple of days ago. So I, I work at Emergent in Camp River and uh, and, you know, it's in the midst of COVID. And so there's no family members who are coming in with people. And it's just sort of this really challenging thing. And so I'm, I'm sitting in our ambulatory area and there's this uh, elderly indigenous woman who came in and she had a walker. And so we're chatting about whatever health challenge she was having. And I, and I noticed on the side of her walker, she had this beautiful wooden painted um, 
that piece of wood that was actually zap strapped. It was quite large. It was sort of like foot by foot on the side of her walker. And I was kind of on my knees, I don't know, I think checking her leg or whatever it was. And I kind of noticed it. And so I, we were asking about it. And uh, and it was fascinating because it it had her name in her language uh, in Kwakwala painted on it. And, and it was this opportunity. So suddenly she's sharing with me her real name and what it means and, and the values that were connected with that. And so uh, one of the values that came forward really clearly in that was how important her family was to her. And, and that really mattered then in terms of, okay, well, when, when it was getting time for her to go home, we're trying to make that plan about, okay, how do in the midst of COVID, we make sure we connect with her family. And, and I remember walking out afterwards that I said to her, hey, did you see that, that thing that she had on the, on the side of her walker? And she had been gone at that point and, and, and hadn't. And I, and I think uh, I don't notice things most of the time, but just trying to create the space to find points of connection um, uh, from a place of, I don't know the answers, but like, how can I hear from you, learn from you, what's important? And I, and I guess what I would say about that, and I totally agree with your comments, Destiny, it's, it's from, the, from the person that we're interacting with, who's the person can articulate whether or not um, there's been safety and humility. Um, and I always feel like at the end of these interactions, I've been the one who's learned. <laughs> uh, uh, and so um, I, it, boy, does it make work more fun, uh, you know, having those discussions. So anyways, I guess those are some of my comments. Thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Dana, over to you. Yeah, I'm just nodding, uh, Jeff, with some of those stories, really. And, it, and it, some, of those, some of those stories come from also getting to hear and, and um, listen to some of the truth. And, you know, Elder Roberta Price really, you know, has encouraged and reminded us in the in the work that I do with her that it, it, it has to start um, with truth first and then we can move forward. And, and those stories are varied and we have to have space to be able to listen to those and dig in into the, to the truth. And, you know, for me, learning about Indigenous history in Canada in general, you know, which I did in undergrad more than a couple of years ago, and thinking that I knew something, and then, you know, getting to know that I knew very, very little. Um, and, and, and then just working to learn more and getting to know nation-specific history, uh, the nations of the land where I was born and the nations of the land where I live now, and kind of moving from that pan-Indigenous lens that we get from a lot of courses and, uh, into like really nation specific cultural knowledge and that comes from story and story comes from relationship and having time and taking the time for that and the other piece of that that I would share is that you know I in the, the FNHA clinic that I, I work in now it was created by Indigenous people for Indigenous people with the principle of nothing about us without us as the guiding principle and I think meaningful engagement with Indigenous people uh, doesn't mean just having them sit as a member of your committee. It means you actually co-design the healthcare that they receive. Um, and that feels different. That's a different process than what we're used to. But that's co-designing um, is a big piece of that. So that what matters actually gets built into the system that wasn't actually built for all of us. It was just built for some of us. And we need to change that. And I think part of like, as you were talking about um, Destiny and Jeff, part of that building a system is building a system where feedback is easy and safe for Indigenous people to give their feedback on the quality of the care and cultural safety of the care. 
And because it can, as you said, Destiny, it can only be measured by those receiving care. We can have self-reflective practice about what, how we think we're doing, but cultural safety can only be measured by those receiving it. And I think of Dr. Nadine Karen, um, an Indigenous surgeon um, and, and thought leader who says like, we really need to work towards finding the stories that cannot be forgotten and the data that cannot be ignored, right? So I think story and, and measurement. Um, really matter uh, in the work that I've been doing. Thank you so much, Donna. I really appreciate um, both of your insights. And I think that um, sadly we only have a few minutes left for the dialogue circle and I feel like we might have, um, have part two of this webinar perhaps in the future. There's so much to talk about. Uh, but I thought maybe we could leave, um, leave with um, providing some advice and I'd open this up to all all of you um, who are speaking today. What advice do you have for our participants about how to start on their own journey around cultural safety and humility? I don't know if Destiny, maybe you want to start? Sure, thanks. I think that's a that's a wonderful question and I am just so elated to listen to everybody speak. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jana. And I think that if I was to provide gentle encouragement, it would be from a place of remembering the relational importance of your practice and how you approach the human being who's in front of you on the other end. And recognizing that if this individual has experienced uh, discrimination or, or racism within our healthcare system, that they almost come to see you for whatever issue they're, they're seeing you for. But it's also like that, that racism or that discrimination exists as a comorbidity to what they're coming and talking to you about. Because you can't see the experience of racism by looking at a person. You can't see that they've experienced that. So I really think that the approach that the, um, the family physicians on the panel today are taking is definitely one that's exemplary. And it also comes from a place of being willing to make mistakes and be willing to be open to humble approach to learning because it is a mutual exchange. It occurs between the person receiving care and the care provider, but it's a relationship and there are partners in that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Destiny. I'd open it up to Jeff, Dana, or Sequalia if you have any um, words of wisdom and advice for folks who are perhaps starting on their own journey around cultural safety and humility. And we've got about two to three minutes left for this portion of our, our webinar today. Jeff, maybe I'll just chime in and you can wrap up. Um, I, I would just say, just echoing a lot of what Destiny and Jeff said, show up. Be prepared to get stuff wrong. Sit with some discomfort of when your biases and your gaps are pointed out. Um, that's a really good place to start. Build some resilience for being called out when your biases show up. Um, try to explore where your biases are. Relationship, get to know people, make time and space for that. Recognize that this work moves at the speed of trust and that's the guiding principle. Um, do your own learning um, so that it's, you know, Indigenous communities are busy. They're busy grieving and, and gathering their language and their cultures and, and healing. And so we need to read books by Indigenous authors and watch films by Indigenous filmmakers and learn about the land 
and not expect to be educated by Indigenous people. Obviously, when there's relationship, the stories will guide you, but don't expect Indigenous communities to do this work for you. We, we can do our own work. Ask for feedback and be open when you get it um, and, and seek out the feedback. So yeah, read, watch, listen, learn, do way more listening. I, I do way more listening than speaking than I used to. And it's still a constant thing to, because I've got such good ideas. And then when I just sit back and I actually listen, the ideas are so much better and so much different than I would uh, have come up with. So yeah, I just think, uh, try not to do business as usual. Try to do it differently. Thank you, Don. If we're short on time, I'm very happy to not say anything. I'm sure Sequalia has something far. Yeah, please. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, maybe Sequalia, could you um, just provide your insights and, and close this part of the webinar for us? Thanks. I, my hands are up to each and every one of you. And I like the words shared by um, what really resonated was um, what Jeff and Dana said hope I'm saying it correctly, is that um, you need to be able to connect when you can with those who are willing to share about their communities. And, you know, I've heard Jeff speak before and know he learned, he always learns from the people he's interacting with. And I hear that from Dana with her comments. And that way you learn to realize they're human beings, but they also have different um, values that come from their ancestors that help guide them in life. And, you know, I always encourage, because um, I speak to nurses, go, um, like Jeff said, go to the home visit and be able to find out and share that you have maybe a family that you have children or where you come from and ask them about theirs and get to know them as people. And then they get to know you and, you know, attend events when they ask you to, because that's a big thing when they ask you to come to an event and that's going to be happening, maybe a naming or maybe some ceremony because they're showing you part of their, um, cultural ways and that should um you know lead you to reflect that even though colonization and residential schools and imposed um reserve systems we're still here and we still practice our cultural ways and practices and that that helps um you know and it's getting back to that for the young people who haven't had it so always connect with elders or knowledge carriers. And some of the knowledge carriers can be young people because they were raised by grandparents. Knowledge carriers aren't always old and gray-haired. And, um, you know, it's those who were chosen by their elders to be the carriers of that knowledge. So those are some of my thoughts. And always remember and keep that reflection of what they've gone through and still here. So thank you. And thank you, Jeff, for, you know, not speaking because I was looking forward to listening to you, actually. 
Thank you, Sequalia. And thank you, um, Jeff, Dana, Destiny, and Sequalia for um, your insights and sharing your experience um, and being vulnerable in that conversation. We really appreciate it. Um, what I'm hearing as things are popping up through the chat box is that this is a, a conversation that people want to continue. Um, so we'll see what we can do about that in the future. Um, and I do, I hate to cut it short, but I wanted to give um, our participants, um, the folks that have joined us today, an opportunity to um, do some reflection. And this will also help us um, with the Q&A at the end, which hopefully we'll still have time for. But it also help us at the council and those of us that work on this learning series design something that is going to meet the needs so, uh, of the folks or, or um, areas that people want to talk about more. So I think what we're going to do is if, um, I don't know if Katie, I don't have my chat box open. Oh, yeah, Katie has popped the uh, link in, in the chat box. Um, we're going to give you about five minutes to reflect on the speakers and your own team-based care experiences or cultural safety and humility experiences. And we'd like you to take some time to answer the three questions in the document. So those are what steps are you taking to ensure that cultural safety and humility is part of your care or your clinic's care? And then provide examples if you can. What new steps could you take to foster cultural safety and humility in care? And again, share an example. And then also what questions do you have for a specific speaker or for any of the speakers? And we'll try to pull two or three of those uh, for our question and answer period later. Thank you everyone for taking the time to participate in the reflection. So many good um, insights and discussion points and questions. Um, I think we have time probably for one question for our, um, our panel members, our per, uh, presenters today. And I think um, this might be a really interesting one to talk about um, given the audience. And I think what I'd like to do is bring forward the question about how would you like to see education of healthcare providers change in this context? And I'll open it up to the panel. Um, Anybody brave enough to, to maybe venture in on that question or should I pick a different one? No, I, I'm, it's Destiny, I'll answer for sure. I think that's a great question. And uh, I think that the, you know, the, a lot of the answers have come out of this discussion today. And I think that's looking at the approach that's being taken in the past and kind of evaluating that. Has, that. has the approach that you are currently using, is it effective? And as I spoke before that, the effectiveness of cultural safety education tools are, are, are reflected in how the individual receiving care feels. So it's a discussion that can be had with a, a group or an organization where you, you evaluate as a team what is being done and if, it, if it's been effective. I also really think that it's important to continue the engagement with uh, Indigenous First Nations, Métis and Inuit people because everyone has something individual to contribute to to their story and their stories are very important in how they apply to care. Um, I can speak as a, a Métis person for the Métis people where we have experienced similar things to our First Nations cousins historically, but we also have our own set of additional layers of discrimination and racism that we've experienced that if healthcare providers are not aware of these, then it can actually impact or it can harm the person, although they're trying to put all the tools that they have in their toolbox into play 
if there's key things missing, it makes it difficult. So I would just say to be aware of a constant organic evaluative process. Thanks. Thank you, Destiny. Jeff, Donna, or Sequoia, you know, how would you like to see education of healthcare providers change? Um, maybe I'll make a really quick comment. Um, I, I think of all of the time they stood in, in an operating room holding a retractor in med school. And that's not to say that wasn't important because it was, um, but I just think how we prioritize this in um, education is really important. And for me, the, uh, I would say the experiential part of being in community has made the most difference. Um, I, I, the first times I visited communities, I had no idea. I didn't have a clue. I still don't have a clue, but, um, but I, I just honestly had no reference point. And so I think that's really uh, important to try and create experiential. And I, I think it was Sequoia said, just to hang out with people and sit down and, and see one another as people not from our clinical lens. And then, yeah, so that would be the, the yeah, very important part, thanks. Just quickly, I might add, I mean, I think we know from the In Plain Sight report that, you know, cultural safety isn't enough. We actually need to be anti-racist. We need help, we need healthcare providers to know how to move in the anti-racist space um, and, and, and to be really good allies uh, in this allyship, I think is an important part of medical education. And the other part, I think, building on what, what Destiny and Jeff said is land-based, strength-based education um, so that we aren't always seeing the pathology, right? We're actually starting to see the strengths in these communities that survived all of this history and have, you know, know how to live on this land, know how to heal themselves. And so I think, you know, that education so that we're actually seeing the strength and we're learning from the wisdom, not just always seeing the pathology in the emergency room. Thank you, Donna. Um, Sequalia, did you want to comment on anything that you would like to see in terms of changes to how healthcare professionals are educated and particularly about cultural safety and humility? I, um, I believe it really needs to be become a component, a real serious component of the colleges that train the students for their professions. And I'm on the BC, um, I'm the elder, I'm not on the board of the BC College of Nurses and Midwives. And they're looking at how to um, incorporate cultural safety and humility into the programs they teach nurses, because they're usually the first point of contact with people in the communities. And so I think that's really important in it has to be even maybe created by First Nations people help because I've looked at that program that the provincial health um, has and I thought that they could have done um, a bit more to make people reflect and look at how they move forward when working with Indigenous people. And um, I actually took the program and answered the questions and I thought it could have gone more into it to be able to let people realize, you know, 
that they need to have a it's not about guilt or anything and i've always um it's about acknowledging and seeing how they've been brought up and maybe changing how they relate to the indigenous people and i hope that helps and answers the question it really does sequalia thank you so much um we are down to our last few minutes of our time together today. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for being here, um, for, to our panel members for sharing their experience and insight, as, as I've said. One thing is clear uh, to me and to, I think, uh, those of us on, on the council who have been on the webinar today is that this is a much needed discussion and um, something that we'll look, about, look into how we can continue um, in this forum and perhaps others. So we do appreciate everybody's time today. I want to just say um, thank you again for joining us today. Stay well, and I would welcome Sequalia to um, close our webinar today if she desires. <laughs> I was just reading comments. <laughs> um, I want to say Chen Quinman told me I'm grateful and thankful to each and every one of you. I'm really grateful and thankful to um, Destiny, Jeff, and Dana for being on the panel and sharing your insights, experiences, and reflections, and showing especially how you um, communicate and share and understand um, other people. That's really important because we have to understand other people too. So it goes both ways, reciprocity. And I think that's important at times, knowing the history of, you know, other people. And I always um, am grateful. I'm just going to um, share a bit of um, Snowbird song and then say a prayer and let you get on with your busy days because I'm sure you're all busy. So I ask us again to come together in Chomo and Shkwalin, one heart and one mind, and pray for each other and all our family and friends. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, Chen Quinn Mentomi Kakakanak Chase Yam Yonsio and So Man Man Squawan Yonsio Man Man Equato Chet Squawan CII Chet Squawan Asking you, Creator, to watch over and protect each and every one of your children gathered here today and also their families and their friends and help them with their squalo and feelings in their hearts and minds 
emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health and well-being, asking you, Creator, to put a shield around all of them and protect them as we go forward into the days ahead and asking you to continue helping all of them with the good work that they do in communities, especially the work they do with Indigenous First Nation Aboriginal people and their nations and citizens. Asking you, Creator, to um, hear our prayers for all our family and friends, those who may have tested positive for COVID, and those who are recovering, those who have cancer and many forms of cancers and the treatments, arthritis, heart problems, diabetes, um, tuberculosis, hep C, HIV, meningitis, and other illnesses, including cold and flu, and those who have injuries, those needing surgery or have had surgery, prayers for all of them for their health, healing, and recovery. Creator, hear our prayers during this time of opioid crisis that started a few years ago and has gotten worse during COVID because the supply is dangerous. Hear our prayers for all our family and friends who may have traumas and battle alcohol and drugs and those who are homeless because of their battles and traumas and those incarcerated. And especially for those being released who don't know the supply is dangerous. Help protect them and watch over them, Creator, and help them hopefully to find that healing path to um, recovery, wellness, and um, sobriety. And prayers for all their families who worry about them daily and have that added on to their health of being always anxious for their loved ones and not wanting to lose them. Prayers to lift up their spirits today with all of our energy and prayers that we can send to all of them. Creator, hear our prayers for all our family and friends who may have lost loved ones and have heavy feelings of sorrow in their hearts to know that their loved ones worry about them just as much because they, they have no more pain or worries and we have to keep walking our life journey. And so they spiritually help us by sending maybe a sign when we're in low spirits, a dragonfly they say has two sets of wings because they carry angels on their back and we believe they're also ancestors come to visit or a ladybug, butterfly, hummingbird, maybe eagle, raven or a yo-yo's killer whale or wolf, something, eagle, raven that makes you smile and lifts up your spirit, that's the spiritual help of your loved ones. So just always know that they're there when they can be and are our guardian angels. Asking you again, Creator, to protect all your children gathered here and their family and friends and to help them in their work that they do, to know when they need to take care of themselves so they can continue doing the good work that they do. Tama Kwetsi, those are my words. Chen Quen Mentomi, I'm grateful and thankful to all of you for allowing me to join you today. And um, I just want to say, you all take care. Thank you so much, Sequalia. Be well, everybody.
Thanks so much for listening, and that wraps up uh, the webinar. I hope you all found this dialogue circle format engaging. I know we had such a great discussion. And interestingly, this episode was the most well-attended of all the webinars that we've, we've held so far. Thinking about cultural safety and humility is so important as we move forward in the transformation of primary health care in the province. And we clearly heard a desire for more conversations like this. So keep an eye on the Team-Based Care BC uh, website and resources, and we'll make an effort over the next year to continue to engage in these important discussions. This webinar series happens monthly, and we hope that you'll join us for the next one. Thanks so much. <laughs>